We all know that events are the best when they run smoothly, which is barely ever, let's be honest. <laughs> There's always something going wrong. So today, dun dun dun, we're going to bring you a horror story. <coughs> An audiovisual horror story. So strap yourself in because we're getting a little bit scary. Welcome to Behind the Clipboard, event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the insider toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to open the backstage curtain and unleash your world of events expertise. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Clipboard. I'm Tamara Cook from Known Associates Events and please welcome my fellow events guru, also from Known Associates Events, Melissa Howie. Yo. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I'd mix up the howdy howie last time. (laughs) Yo, yo, yo. Um, So our topic today is audiovisual. It's the element that most events require in some shape or form. In fact, if your event is playing music or has a light switched on, Guess what? You're using audiovisual or AV as we like to call it. So Mel, I know that you've got PTSD from a recent event involving all things AV. So I thought we could begin with that little anecdote slash horror story. Okay. What have you got for me? Mm. I know our listeners love the horror stories as much as they like to hear us succeed as well. Um, So I've had one recently and this just proved, look, I've been an event manager for 13 years now and sometimes it's just a case of a new supplier, someone you're not familiar with or equipment. Um, it just went from bad to worse. So strap mm-hmm. yourselves in, friends. It's not a short story. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we, yeah, like I said, everything almost went wrong with this event, it felt. It started the day before the event. So we had organised to have the room set up early and do a full run through of a panel session. We were doing it hybrid, which obviously is a way of people are doing events now, but it was something new to that particular AV company. So we thought, right, we'll do the right thing. We'll have a full run through. The client knew about it. They had organised with the two panel members from the East Coast um, to come online at this time to test it. They were two very important people, we were told, which made things worse when we needed to move the time a little bit. (laughs) So we turned up. The room wasn't set up at all. The screens weren't working. There was no audio in the room at all. What? The what? L- no speakers? No. The LCD screen wasn't even plugged in, which is the one we had to, were going to put the panel members on. Uh-huh. So we had the two people who were in person on the panel there as well as the two people hybrid waiting to come in for the test. And none of the equipment was set up? Nothing was set up. So I turned up early, obviously, to make sure we were ready to go. They weren't. Wasn't much I could do about it, unfortunately. I said to the client we might need to push the test back a little bit. That was an absolute hard no because these were two very important people. So we're talking about C-level people that were in another state. Yep. So at a, in another three, time two zone. to three yeah. hour different time zone. Hanging around after their business day had finished to test this for us. So right. it was, yeah, a real push. But um, eventually I managed to get them to set up the, at least plug in the LCD screen. Like I could have gone and done that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, get the Zoom going for the time that we had originally agreed on. But what was their <laughs> excuse for not having the room set up? The, the event that was in the room before, so that morning, had run late. 
mm-hmm. but it just was like they didn't plan for that happening, which really should be an obvious one that you should always plan for happening. Yeah. So I think they didn't – The whole this whole experience was that they didn't manage our expectations well enough. They should have said, look, we can't do 2 o'clock. It's too close to this event potentially running over. We can do 3 o'clock or very early the next morning. But And that wouldn't have been a problem if we'd been told weeks out. But the problem was it was that at that moment that we realised. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think communication really. It really comes down to that and that would have really improved it for us. So we had the world's worst run through. It, I know they're supposed to make you feel more comfortable going to sleep that night, but it <laughs> did not. <laughs> You're rocking yourself in a yeah, corner before bed. <laughs> I definitely was. And the client, which is what was worse, felt uncomfortable about it, which is what I didn't like. So we ended up turning up 6am the next morning to do a run through in the morning before the guests got there because I was still really uncomfortable about it. Had staff members from the office um, getting ready, brushing their teeth in the morning on Zoom. Oh, that staff member was me. Yeah, I didn't know if we were going to go there, but yes. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that. Yes, I feature in this horror story. <laughs> I'm just a cameo. So we had Tam and another staff member on Zoom to pretend to be the panel members. Two people in person trying to set up the audio set up the visuals. We had a live camera that was trying to focus on all four people. So obviously two digital and two in person to put on the screens. So it it was a lot of moving parts, but in this day and age, it should have been something that they didn't struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you can't have a tech team testing equipment themselves rather than having someone zooming in, brushing their teeth, which is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, essentially your director yeah. <laughs> zooming in, brushing your teeth just to make sure things are going to go okay. The whole um, room learnt Tam's asking care morning routine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did enjoy it. I felt like Kylie <laughs> Jenner for a minute going through. <laughs> a lot of people have asked me about my skincare routine. <laughs> slash no one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thanks to that uh, extra run through, the panel actually did go really well. The client was happy. Um, but... It just went from bad to worse in the second half of the day. So after lunch, the conference, which was all in one big room, got separated into all these breakout rooms. So all this equipment had been thoroughly tested and thoroughly used all morning. But for some reason, as soon as we broke them into separate rooms, they stopped working again. So So it was as simple as unplugging something from one socket and plugging into another or it shouldn't have even happened? It shouldn't have even been unplugged. The divider walls literally got pulled out in between and the screens, the stage moved a little bit but that was it Mm. so yeah breakout sessions come there's like four or five of them in one breakout room the screen which had worked fine all morning had wasn't working for a solid 15 minutes of like a 30 minute breakout session oh god in another room uh there was loud background music playing while the tech on duty couldn't work out how to turn it off and therefore it was making the microphone on the lectern feedback really badly and then i ran to another room almost died and the roving microphones uh, weren't working in the room. The speaker slides were wrong. So she'd gone to present and they were... In truth, that wasn't the AV company's fault, but it was just one more thing on top of everything. Right. Yeah, it was It was absolute mayhem, despite testing all of the equipment in each individual room. So, And this was an event with 200 delegates? Yeah, 200 delegates. Mm-hmm. A fair amount of people in each of these breakout sessions. And to them... And that's probably worth noting throughout this process is most of this was back of house stuff. It was behind the scenes or set up and it was stuff that had me rocking in a corner. But most of the guests didn't even notice or to them it was like one hiccup for the day. Whereas I walked to every room and there was something going wrong in every single room. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's good to note that you did you did your job really well in that the guest experience was still excellent. And from 
the event after it was finished, we had really good rave rave reviews. Absolutely, rave reviews. <laughs> um, but yeah, from an event management perspective, yeah, this, these are the ins and outs and lessons we can learn from. Um, and pass on to our listeners. Yeah, and this is the thing, and this is why event managers, quite often people, I think, don't understand how hard the job is because they just see the front and the party planning and maybe you having a laugh with the client at the end of the day, but all of this goes on behind the scenes and it's why a good event planner is needed. And, I mean, if you're running your own event, it's this why you need to be prepared for this sort of stuff. Absolutely. It's stressful. Oh, man. So, it gets worse. I'm still going on this okay. event. All right. All right. I'm just going to get a bit more comfortable. So, this event was particularly challenging and we knew that from the, you know, early, much earlier than the event. But in, the conference had a gala ball following directly after it in the same venue with a very, very short bump in time. So, there was another conference in the gala ballroom as well. So your turnaround time was super oh, tight. It was like, I reckon, an hour before guests got there and they wanted lights and like amazing stage and draping and lights, pin table pin spots and the whole works. So the bump in for this, it just added an extra level of stress because we didn't, I don't feel, had the right AV team behind us and there wasn't that level of trust. Mm. So the room was absolutely chaotic. There were hoists, machinery, setting up lights and rigging in the roof while the venue staff are moving around them at the bottom, setting up banquet tables setting linen, trying to leave a path in the tables for the machinery to get out again. And then slowly, at the end, they just shoved them all into place. <laughs> With glassware on top? Yeah, yeah. They were. I mean, the, the venue did pretty well in that case, I have to say. But, the you know, <laughs> they just weren't organised in this room. The AV company's logo was on the screen until about five minutes before guests walked in. So the photographer was trying to get room set up shots um, and, we the later, wrong, and the wrong logo is on yeah. screen instead of the event logo. You've got an AV company's yeah, logo, which was very ugly too. Let me tell you. And the AV company is driving you crazy by this point, so you don't even want to. You never want to see their logo no. again, let alone what on a three to four meter scale. <laughs> it was huge. <laughs> so we later found out this was because one of the head AV tech hadn't downloaded the screen content that we sent them two days before the event. Mm-hmm. So they were madly scrambling in the background. Um, yeah, and th- we got it up five minutes before, which meant we didn't have time to do a screen content run through, which also fills me with fear. That's one thing I would say always do, but in this case, it just was not going to be possible. And in your run sheet, which they had received, you would have gone through the screen content how long before guests Absolutely. Arrived? Oh, well, way longer in normal cases. In this case, we only had an hour and a half bump in. So I, w- I wanted to go through it at least 40 minutes before yeah. guests were going to walk in. But in a, in a normal event, you'd usually do it three oh, or four hours, hours before. Yeah, absolutely. In a ball, for sure. And there's usually a lot more screen content. So this was an award ceremony. So it did have a lot of screen content as well as they were announcing the award winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not doing a screen run through also meant that midway through the event, I realised they hadn't downloaded and installed the font that I told them to. Oh, God. I know. Luckily, it was just like, it wasn't windings. Can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, it just had reverted to like Calibri or something really inoffensive, but it was supposed to be this beautiful script font. That matched all the other event collateral. Yeah. But uh, it would have been much worse if it was like, or courier. That is particularly ugly. And that's, (laughs) sometimes it reverts to that. So. As long as it wasn't Times New Roman. Yes. I'd walk out. Or, or, um, what is it? Comic Sans. Yeah, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, for a medical association awards night, not the best to have Comic Sans. Definitely not. It definitely wasn't comical. Not for me. And then last thing, acoustic singer was on stage. Her microphone 
wasn't working literally 10 seconds before doors opened. Mm. It was such a stressful bump in. And 10 seconds before they got it going, I made her sing one full line like of her opening verse before we opened the doors, which had already been pushed back about five minutes because they couldn't get the microphone working. Mm -hmm. But despite all that stress, guests walked in, the room looked amazing for the amount of bump in time we had. Actually, even regardless, it looked amazing. And they had an amazing night. So um, the client was ecstatic, which was all that was important. But it did leave me rocking in a corner, I must say. Yeah, I had, to, I had to dab some tears from your cheeks <laughs> yes. that night. Yes. Um, so event managers are tough, but they can only handle so much, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you did well. I mean, it had been a whole day and it had been, I mean, how many hours had you been on site? Well, yeah, 6am for that unnecessary run through, through to like midnight. the gala finished at midnight. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good on you. Mm-hmm. You got there. They didn't know, but will we ever work with that AV team again? I do not think so. I don't think so, no. I mean, I was there for just as bumping began, so about an hour before doors open, and I walked in and just, <laughs> it was absolute chaos. This guy that was um, plugging in the singer's microphone, trying to get that to work, all I could see was his plumber's crack. <laughs> And this beautiful singer standing in front of her microphone trying to sing her heart out and just nothing, no mics working, no leads into her um, guitar working. And I also saw all the audiovisual logos on the screen and I just thought, oh dear, (laughs) what is going on here and how are we ever going to get to doors open in an hour? But we did. We did. We did and they didn't know. So well done you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. But um, I may or may not have yelled at somebody who then walked off (laughs) out of the room for quite a while. Um, And that's what I was going to say. The other thing that made it really challenging is that they weren't a well-rounded AV team, which is what this uh, episode is about, in that only one person could do lighting. Only one person knew how to work the screens. Only one person could do audio. So we needed, like, the screens changed for the logo so the photographer could do their thing. And only that guy was still desperately in the background secretly downloading our content so we couldn't concentrate on whatever else we needed. That's right and you touched on the key word before which is communication. So when I walked in and the AV logo was on screen and I demanded answers as to why they couldn't remove it from screen they did not tell me that they hadn't downloaded our content. They just said oh we're working on it, we're working on it, we're working on it. As someone who's been in the industry for over 20 years I don't need, we're it's working on hard. it. I want a real answer. Where is our content? Yeah. We haven't downloaded it. We're doing that now. That at least would have made me, it would have given me answers and it would have given me reassurance that they were a professional outfit. I mean, it, not professional by not downloading it two days before, yeah. but at least they were being honest with me and open and uh, what's the word? Transparent. Yeah. They were being transparent with the information understanding that I could digest that and then move on to something else while they got that mm. fixed. And the thing about the real reason was to me, my brain goes, okay, that's annoying. We'll deal with that later. But at least I know it's fixable. You know what, you know how to fix it and it's happening. Yes. Whereas I don't know or we're working on it tells me that you don't know what's wrong and these screens may never work. That's right. And it's just looking like amateur hour. Yeah. Yeah. So we've learned a lot. We had a lot of event debriefs on that one, but um, I think that, what we took away from that and what we could have done to avoid this disaster is really just trust your gut. We had never worked with this company before. They were the in-house company at this venue and they assured us they were all over it. But when we first met 
the guy, the head guy for this company, I just had a bad feeling. Me too. And I remember I said that to you afterwards. I said, it just feels a bit amateur. Yeah. I met him at the second meeting and I had the exact same feeling. It just, yeah, your gut feeling, you can never, never disregard that. Yeah. So we tell you these horror stories. We live them so that you guys can learn from us and not go through it yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So let's break it down. Let's discuss AV and the part that it plays within events. So first up, what's, what is the core role that AV brings to events? Well, AV basically brings your event to life. So its most basic form, which almost every event will have, is like you said, a light turned on or a microphone for a speaker. But the sky is the limit really in terms of what you can achieve with AV from projecting on buildings to making a, a plate on someone's table move or a fish swim around it. You know, it's incredible what they can do these days for sure it's audio visual is essential to almost all events um and it is what brings the mood it's what brings the ambiance it's what yeah. brings um it sometimes brings the theme into things um but it is also used to highlight zones so mm. if you're in an, a large event space and you don't want to focus on certain areas of your event Um, you can highlight zones and they're the places that people flock to or it can be a pathway, walkway. Um, But I I feel like the absolute essential role of audiovisual is to spark feelings and evoke emotion and bring that vibe. And it goes back to a thing you you talk about a lot on the podcast with the senses. Mm. So a number of those senses are activated with audiovisual, you know, what you can hear, what you can see, even proprioception. So how the room feels around you, like you said, because you've darkened the corners or you've activated them, any of those options are available. 100%. I actually, studies have shown, I found in my research, um, in classrooms even, the use of audiovisual stimulates um, students better and results in more concentration, improved grades for students. So if you translate that to the event space, it's always going to translate into a more memorable event for guests. Mm. If you just think about what people do in their pastimes, it's listening to music, mm. it's absorbing content. Watching screens. <laughs> yes, on screen, TV, books. I mean, it's all of those things are bringing a scent, a vibe, a sense, a, a mood mm-hmm. to the person. That's what we can do. We're storytellers and audiovisual is a really essential tool to bring those stories to life. Agreed. In my opinion, AV how it's progressed now can do the most for theming it's yeah a centerpiece beautiful flowers will always go a long way but the mass impact that audio visual effects like smoke hazer along the ground colored lights even the basic things and and beautiful designed thing on screen just makes such an impact because it's generally so big as well if you're in a ballroom for sure so tam how can av make or break your event um All right, well, let's start with lighting. Lighting is essentially one of your most key styling tools. So it sets the tone, the mood and the theme. For example, colour is an obvious one. Patterns, um, movement. You can have lights that create a water effect, for example. You put it on the ceiling and suddenly the ceiling's moving like it's watery. Um, Your favourite theme, Under the Sea? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I wouldn't do it for an Under the Sea theme. (laughs) I would never do an Under the Sea theme. But yeah, just bring it, and that brings a sense of calm, and that's lighting. 
Um, you can do patterns or gobos, which is where you have a light that has a um, laser cut steel stencil. stencil fitted over the light and that projects a logo or an image. So that's all That's all coming down to lighting. A lot of people don't realise that. I know that that's replaced by projection a lot these days rather than creating a stencil, which is... The bat symbol. Only used <laughs> once. Yeah, essentially it's, it's basically, the bat symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but lighting... Oh, what else can you do? You can do searchlights, mm. flashing lights, strobe lights, coloured spotlights, festoon lighting. Just think about it. I mean, even in your own backyard, you can put up festoon lighting or wrap fairy lights around a tree. It transforms a space. It does. It's amazing, the effect. There's one of the streets in my neighbourhood that I... I Walk down it on purpose in the evening just because all of the neighbours have put fairy lights along their verge trees. Cute. I know. And I asked one of the neighbours once um, if it was, you know, if everyone got together and did it. And he said, no, one house did it and then the next house did it and then the next house. And then he said... You felt left out? Yeah, we walked down (laughs) the street one night and we're like, oh, we've got to do it too. And now it's just this wonderland. of It's only a short street, but it's beautiful. That's cute. It is, and it just highlights the fact that those tiny little gestures can make a massive impact. Speaking of lighting, side story but related, my mum went to an event recently and you think I would have educated her better by now, but she's sitting in a ballroom, it was an awards night, and she's sending me text messages of this crystal centrepiece, which was a pale pink colour. And she's like, wow, I've never seen this, this is amazing. And I didn't have time to reply to her or else I would have said the exact thing she realised later on. It was a table pin spot. It was a normal chandelier and they'd lit it pink from above. (laughs) So she's like, scratch that, change to green later. (laughs) Even more incredible. Yeah. (laughs) It can really impress people if they haven't seen it before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so there's so much you can do. There's uplighting. You can transform a tree or a wall or a pillar with uplighting or pin spots. I love uplighting. It's so underrated and it's so affordable. True. Absolutely. And now we've got the beauty of LED that you can just do any colour on the Mm -hmm. spectrum. It looks amazing. Um, And then projection, which I touched on earlier and we'll go into a bit more detail later. But you can project quotes or pictures, logos, things like that. So, I mean, that's how lighting can just be used as styling. The second use for lighting is practicality. So lighting certain areas up. Lighting a stage, doing a stage wash, which means um, creating a a blanket lighting effect across the stage for speakers. Um, Spotlights, lighting pathways for safety. That can often be, and it often doubles up because it's beautiful as well, but you can light pathways into an event or out of an event or to an area. Um, And floodlighting after dark is something that audiovisual teams bring in. So you might have an event that's happening at dusk, say. So you've got beautiful sunlight to begin with, the sun sets, so you've got all this gorgeous natural lighting and then the guests leave just as the sun drops and all of a sudden you've got to pack up an event set but it's completely pitch black. <laughs> so your AV team can bring in the ugly lighting, <laughs> the flood lighting to allow you to pack down your event in safety. Ugly but practical, nothing gets left behind. <laughs> exactly. So that is just lighting. That's the visual side of things. So then make or break your event audio. This is another biggie. Mm-hmm. Do you want to kick off or do you want me to run through my my uh, checklist? You run through yours. Okay, so. I'm special comments. It's got to be high quality. <laughs> it's got to be high quality. 
don't stream via the internet. Always download. Oh, God, yes. By this, I mean, if we, I mean, we live in the world of Spotify. It's the most practical tool for playing music, obviously. Um, but you have to have downloaded that playlist. There is a couple of things with Spotify I want to bring up. One, a shared... Or ads. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have have a premium yeah. account. <laughs> Number one, that's a no-brainer. I wasn't even going to mention that. But yes, have a premium account so there's no ads. If you share your Spotify account with somebody else, make sure that they will not be using it during your event time. <laughs> because <laughs> if, like me, my kids have a shared Spotify account with me, Lola could go into her bedroom and say, hey, Google, play the Wiggles. And that could come up in my event. (laughs) Suddenly when we're trying to have uh, a welcome to country with some beautiful um, didgeridoo music on, (laughs) it could be interjected with anything. So if you've got a shared account, make sure that's not being used for your event space. Um, And yeah, obviously never rely on the internet. It's got to be downloaded. You've got to have that tick next to your playlist or else mm, don't use it. Um, Next point is test, test, test. Always sound check. Mic positioning. Your microphone is always behind the speakers. So if you're looking from the stage out to the crowd, it goes the person speaking, the microphone in front of them, the speakers in front of those microphones facing towards the crowd. Every time, that's it. Don't deviate. Otherwise, you'll get horrible feedback. I was at an event the other day and uh, this comes into the test, test, test. So annoying. The event organiser had had an event like a pre-sundown of the night before and went to use a microphone and wherever she stood, there was feedback. In the end, she just ditched the microphone. I really felt for her, but I was thinking... Surely you tested this earlier. Surely you tested this and it fed back then. So what what happened? What venue was it in? Because this has happened to me as well. And it's because the venue had speakers in the roof. That and was therefore, the case. And if they walk around, there's only like very specific safe spaces. She was standing at a lectern. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's a different story. She was standing but. at a lectern to begin with and then she switched to a handheld and the same thing happened with both microphones. Yeah. But then, so that was a sundowner the night before. And then the next day was a full program starting at nine, finishing at four. Still happened. Still happened. Oh, God. Yeah. That's when you get there at 6 a.m., people. You know it's going to have be a problem and test it before. In the end, they just did away with using it. And that mm-hmm. that's actually another really good point is in the space that you're in, do you need a microphone? Mm. I mean, they're not always better if they don't work in particular. Absolutely. Or if there's anything sketchy about them. If people can hear you with voice projection, just go for that. And that's what you have to do. Remember that other event we went to and the speakers went in and out like this and it was so (laughs) weird and I would have just rather – I couldn't concentrate on what they were saying. It's very distracting. Yeah, you lose people, they lose their content, they lose their – And it was a government minister, so it was a bit awkward. (laughs) Not good. Not good. Um, Volume levels is the other thing you need to think about. So – Never be too soft, never be too high. This all comes back to test, test, test. Have someone in the room listening to you speak or even better, have your guest speaker on stage doing a run through so that you can listen to volume levels and just keep them talking about what they had for breakfast, whatever, or practising their content until you're satisfied that you've got the right volume. That comes down to speaker position as well, I've learnt. So sometimes in a smaller event or uh, an outdoor event where you lose a lot of the sound the further back you get, 
it can be way too loud for the people at the front and the people at the back can't even hear you. Yes. So in that case, I would highly recommend putting speakers halfway down as well. Yep. Um, and then Great everybody tip. gets the best volume they can. That's a really, really good tip. And something people often forget to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's happened to me, which is how I've learned again. <laughs> <laughs> Live it, Live learn, it, learn it. it. Talk about it on Behind the Clipboard yes. podcast. <laughs> um, False perfect. We'd have nothing to speak about. That's so, <laughs> so true. That's so true. Uh, don't turn the microphones on too early. Now, this is one that went around recently <laughs> with Joe Biden. Oh, God. <laughs> President Joe Biden thought the microphone was off, was standing in front of it, called a reporter a dipstick or something like that. Oh, God. He answered a question. He's like, oh, you absolute idiot. And it went out to the whole room. And, of course, the media recorded it and then it went viral. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so make sure if you've got someone sound checking or someone talking on stage to the guy next to him and people are filling the room that it's off until it's time to the, for the microphones to be on. That's like when you mic up a panel member with a lapel mic and then they go to the toilet. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> this happens. That's also an issue. Keep an eye on that, people. <laughs> yeah. there's um, You can get some funny stories out of it, but not ideal for corporate Not for events. your event or for brand. <laughs> yes. Um, playing the wrong audio at the wrong time. So always check it this just comes back to checking so you've gone you've done your run through like you were talking about with your horror story earlier you've done your run through the audio and the visual are matching up and you've got them in the right order mm-hmm. um, and you can get around this by having a really detailed production schedule depending on the size of the event definitely so and doing the full run through as you said that's probably the biggest takeaway that's going to come from this episode have a run through even if it's you have to get there four hours early practice practice oh practice. it's so worth it Definitely. Um, I did pop in their inappropriate playlist. This is a bit of a no-brainer, but Aww. you've got to think about the crowd and the music that you're going to play. So from the window to the wall. Yeah. Are they going to be Sweat receptive? <laughs> uh, is there swearing? <laughs> Are there children <laughs> present? Um, I've got a couple more points. There's so much to go through, Mel. Um, it's juicy stuff. It is. Brief people before they go on on how to use and how to turn on and how to sound check their microphone. Mm-hmm. So, um, or this is really during the sound check. So a lot of people, speakers, especially if they're nervous or they haven't spoken before or it's a topic that they haven't spoken on before, they'll get up and the first thing they'll do is look at the bottom of the microphone and go, oh, is this is this thing on? And they'll flick it a the couple old. of times. <laughs> yeah. So you, you as an event manager need to be able to reassure them it's turned on or hand it to them and say, look, it's turned off now, but as soon as you get on stage, we're remotely turning it on. So don't you worry. You don't have to do a thing except start speaking. Good um, tip. <laughs> yeah. It's always really awkward when you're in the crowd. Yeah, yeah, totally. We had um, as adjusting the mic stand is also a big thing, oh practicing God, yes. that. So funny story recently, <laughs> we opened Piccadilly Arcade in Perth City and we had the Lord Mayor come to do a speech. Before that, we had the beautiful Robin Collard doing the Welcome to Country. Now, Robin is probably Tiny. about my height. Yeah. She's oh, sorry. This is awkward now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. Good things come in small packages. It's true. And that's the case of me and Robin. Um, <laughs> so, she's yeah, she's not a tall woman. So, the mic stand was obviously down for her. The next speaker um, was also reasonably not tall. <laughs> um, 
So we, she left the microphone at the same height. Then Basil Zemplis, Lord Mayor, comes on and he is very tall. <laughs> so we did know, we did do a test of the mic stand going up and mic stand going down. However, in between our test, our videographer had come and attached his microphone to the microphone, so his video oh. audio in yeah. link, he'd attached that to our mic stand and he'd, holding wrapped, it in he'd place. wrapped a cord around Aww. it. Exactly. He was holding it in place. So what <laughs> happened was Baz, who has been in the media for decades, came in and, you know, the consummate professional tried to adjust the mic, mic stand like you normally would, couldn't get it to move. And in the end, he just picked up the whole <laughs> thing and started walking around with the mic stand like he was the lead singer of Guns N' Roses. <laughs> he was like Axl Rose. Like full three-pronged legs poking yes. out. <laughs> It was hilarious because he's so tall. So the thing was about a metre <laughs> off the ground <laughs> and I was just dying inside <laughs> and I I just wanted to walk there and go, no, I know it moves. I know it moves. But obviously, yeah. you know, if anyone could have adjusted it, he could because he'd done this so many times. But then I realised what had happened and I was like, well, okay. And he made a joke of it. Yeah. He was like, oh, I'm just going to walk around like this. <laughs> I'm sure he's seen a fair few mic stands in his life, so yeah, if he couldn't work it out, yep. So yeah, they're they're my uh, <laughs> tips when you break it down into lighting and audio. Love it. There's so much to talk about. It's such a huge topic, and I remember we've talked about AV before, and it had to be two parts because yeah. it's it's just there's so much to cover. Exactly. So what do you think, and we've covered a lot of these already, uh, some other common mistakes made by event planners when it comes to AV? Um, I'll give you an example of an event that I was at once. It was a launch. So in terms of event planning, it was planned by an amateur because it was planned by the people that had the product that was being launched. They didn't use a professional planner. Um, It was a beautiful event. They had probably... 70 or 80 guests um you came in during the day so it was a sunset time ish maybe about five o'clock till seven o'clock so you're going over that period it was an outdoor event good to note Mm -hmm. um so you're going over that period of the sun's in the sky and then you've got sunset and then the lighting kicks in so they had a special guest speaker which was Matthew Pavlich um he was an ambassador for the brand and he came in with speeches by the time we needed lighting. So they had um, festoon lighting going across the event space. It looked very, very pretty. The lighting went across a grazing board. And as soon as um, speeches began, where they had the microphone set up, there was no light on him. Oh, no. So he was standing in complete in the shadows. darkness. Oh. That's right. I mean, not complete darkness. He was in the shadows. But we were all supposed to be looking at him doing this you know, guest speaker spot, keynote speech. And, yeah, you just couldn't see him. You could hear him, which was good. <laughs> Voice of God, where is he coming from? Yeah, but it was just a real rookie mistake and mm. it ruined – I mean, for me, obviously, I'm looking at everything with a really critical eye. Yeah. But for me, it really ruined that um, that moment, which could have been, you know, you've got a high-profile person there mm. launching your product. Um, yeah, definitely an opportunity missed. And I'm assuming that their photos weren't great yes, either. Yes, that is true. That goes back to one of the points I I wanted to cover on as well is not considering what is needed ahead of time. So even if that means a week before you go to the event space and walk around, like surely at that point in time, 
it would have occurred to them that they needed some lighting on the stage mm. at 7pm or whenever it was. But also small things like uh, vision switcher, if you plan on playing a video, having audio linked to the computer, if it's going to be a video. May um, want to explain what a vision, vision switcher is. So essentially it's what AV companies use to transition smoothly between one screen and another. So they can have the video queued up ready on one screen and your slides or whatever information you've got presenting as well on the other one. Yeah. And as soon as the video starts, they just nicely faded into one another. Yeah. And when you've got people who uh, aren't in the know about things like that, you see the computer screen up, you see their screensaver, you see their emails popping up on screen oh, <laughs> as yes. they transition from one screen to the next. And, and show laptop, it was another thing that I wrote in there. And that's for that reason is emails popping up, notifications. Now, these days with Macs, your phone connects too. So I've seen some really embarrassing text <laughs> messages come through <laughs> on screen from someone's partner or really intimate texts. So that is quite awkward. Yeah. But also things like um, a lectern, if the speaker, you know, is uncomfortable speaking without notes is a really big one. And quite often they'll get there on the day and say, where's the lectern? And then panic. Yeah. So it's something definitely worth checking beforehand. Lighting on stage, you've already covered. And my favourite, steps on either side of the stage if a central point isn't going to be accessible. Mm -hmm. It's really awkward if someone has to walk the whole way around the back of the tables to get to the stairs. I mean, these days you could just give it a little hoik if it's only a... 300 mil stage but yeah no essentially that's that's good yeah, safety good as well. safety yeah and avoids embarrassing moments where people are like oh do I go that way yeah. do I go that way yeah I've also seen um people have I mean everyone knows I'm not a fan of balloons but balloon garlands happen to be in often people have them blocking screens or blocking lines of sight um and that can come down to room orientation as well. So a lot of rooms when you walk in or when you use a room that's perhaps in a stadium and you've got pillars or if it's a really long, long narrow room and you have the stage orientation at one end along the length of the room, I really feel for the people that are sitting at the back because you're far, far away. So just orientating the room to the stage being in the middle of the length makes a massive difference. Suddenly yeah. everyone can see from a central position. It does. Some, A lot of venues I've noticed are very frustrating with that in that the drop-down screen in the roof is at the wrong end. Right. So it's they've orientated it purposely long and skinny when you break up a room into three because when the ballroom or whatever room it is is fully open, that's where they want the three screens to be. Yeah, and that's when you have to make the call to bring in an extra screen to make Definitely. your room work. Those And LCD screens are so cheap to wheel in on some wheels these days. So mm -hmm. And just stick one against a wall halfway down. Yeah. Um, another disaster story, I think, is people not having stage hands. It's I was just about to mention that. Make sure there's a stage manager. Yeah. Particularly if there's more than a few acts or entertainment and there's a lot of people to get side of stage, a lot of music to organise, yep. instruments... Yeah, and some in some smaller events, you may have an audio-visual team running the sound desk. You, you need to check with them, okay, who from your team is going to strike in the biz we call taking things away off stage striking. So who's going to strike that mic stand when the dance performers come on or who's going to strike that um, row of panellist stools when the next section comes on? You need to think those things through 
it's awful and so apparent when people do it on the fly and people are coming on stage and there's things in their way is the worst possible scenario. But um, seeing people who you think you, you can just tell maybe they're jumping up on stage in high heels, maybe an event manager, um, removing things because they haven't pre-planned it to have uh, one of the AV team or someone who's in a nice little black outfit that's not going to be really seen by the crowd as they sneak onto stage and take something off or put something on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've spoken about this before, managing where all the microphones are at all times. (laughs) Yes. So if someone's using a handheld and they walk off stage, you do not want that microphone to go all the way back to the green room with them. Someone needs to be like, right, hand it to me. Thank you. This is going to the next performer. Yeah. And (laughs) we're speaking from experience. I think we've told this story on the podcast in the past, but we did have a very emotional singer once come on and... um, yeah, he just got really caught up in the song that he was singing and the meaning that was behind it. It was at an, an event for um, suicide prevention and he was he was just absolutely distraught when he left and he walked a very far <laughs> a distance from the stage with the microphone that we needed for the next act. Yeah. And pyrotechnics happened yes. and the next act did not. <laughs> <laughs> the verse did not start, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> Live it, learn it. Yep. You hear it here first, people. So how do you decipher AV language? That's another hard thing for people who don't look at these AV quotes all the time. There's so many numbers and like the DS5453 drop down. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I think that's one of the screens in some of the venues. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, look, the best thing to do is sit down with your AV provider and ask them to explain Everything that they've included because De- definitely. it does look like gobbledygook and often they do use the technical names for the, the equipment that they've bought and that's the easiest way for them to catalogue things and refer to them. It is unfortunate that they pass it on to event managers in that form and we've got to go, we, we have to learn to read their language. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're not an experienced event manager and you're not seeing it all the time, it's going to be a lot harder. But to be honest, it's really hard for us. Yeah. As well. So yes. what we do at Known Associates is we've got a very reliable audiovisual team that we constantly use. We've got a fantastic relationship with them. So there are times that we wouldn't be using them because we're using an in-house um, audiovisual team at the venue we're at. But our relationship is so good that I can send him the quote and say, can you just break this down in layman's terms for me? Do I have everything I need? Are there things in there that I don't need? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I agree. And like you said, asking your actual provider, you're paying them, it's a service, asking them to walk you through anything that you're not sure of. Yeah, because you might find that they are adding things, and I'm not saying that they're being dodgy, but they might be adding things in that you really, truly do not need in the room, and it's an extra expense. Yeah. And so if you don't, if you can't read what's in there, you don't know that that's happening. You can also use Google. So yeah. Google. So if you see something come up and go, "What the hell is that?" Google it, and it's probably a light. Most of the yeah, Fresnel. That, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My well, favorite little uplights of little Fresnels sometimes, or yeah. LEDs. Yeah, <laughs> or projectors. It's really good to be able to Google it and go, "Ah, oh, okay, yeah, I do need that." Yeah, and um, before you have the conversation with them, but learning the language as much as you can is good because yeah. if you're doing, particularly if you're doing the same sort of style of event constantly. And it only takes one or two times to Google it, then you're going to be a whiz. That's right. You can be schooling the AV people. That's, well, yes. <laughs> Why not? I mean, and if you do have things that you 
need constantly, like those basic needs, maybe you should invest in them. Mm. So if it's just a mic, mic stand, a couple of speakers. I mean, we own a switcher and all those things. <laughs> I hate lugging them around. I was just going to say, the thing you have to consider, though, is can you be bothered bumping it in yourself? That's right. So, I mean, you can hire labour people, like just some extra muscle to get things to and from. And it, sometimes that is worth it. It's going to be cheaper for you than paying the AV company. For sure. But if it's a lot of stuff or you have to get in other things from the AV company anyway, you may as well pay let, them to bring it all. Let them do it, yeah. 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 But one thing, another thing to look out for in terms of the equipment list, and it's got me before, again, you're learning from my mistakes, is radio mics. Quite often they list radio mics, but then they list the receiver as a separate item which I have before interpreted as extra microphones. Right. So on the day I was like, where's my roving mic? He's like, you don't have one. I'm like, I do. Look at this quote. Another thing, always print out the quote and take it with you to the event. And he goes, no, that's the receiver bit that goes on my end of the AV desk. Right. So, but luckily roving mics, if you're at a venue, is something that usually they can rustle up pretty quickly. I think you glossed over a really good point there, printing out what you're supposed to have and yes. having that there as proof so that if they say if, if, if there's a miscommunication within the audiovisual company you can quickly say look this is the quote mm-hmm. and they will hop to it because yep. they can see it in black and white that yes oh wow we've forgotten to bring that and they'll get somebody to bring it straight down and depending where you are they should have at least something on site that can create that effect you're after yeah audiovisual teams are our best friends yeah really really essential part I've said that a million times today but um, they're good guys and they bring the magic we have to have the organization pre-planning and communication tools to work with them and quite often the person you talk to the whole way up to the event is not the tech on duty Mm. which is another important thing to note so sometimes that handover is just not the best and it's not I mean, they probably could do that better, but it's your job when you get there to run through the things you know that your AV list should have and check that everything's there. Another thing that you can ask for and generally isn't put on is if you've asked for a light to be added to the lectern for notes, um, lectern mic. Sometimes I've seen they haven't even plugged them in. They just whack them on the stage. Mm. So it all comes down to, and I know we keep saying this, check everything, test it before guests get there. That's right. So what are your top tips for making the most of these AV teams that we can't live without Uh, number one go through your event in depth Two, share your vision and that might be via a mood board it's definitely by your run sheet they should be receiving a extensive run sheet um, that has obviously all of the timings who's speaking what's going on but there should be an extra column on your run sheet which gives audio visual direction so it's um, sometimes called a production schedule Sometimes if the event is really big, you'll have a completely separate production schedule because it's so detailed. Mm -hmm. But if the event's, you know, medium-sized or um, just a a medium amount of formalities going on, just add a column on your run sheet that gives that direction. So we're going to this screen at this point. We want this lighting at this point. Play this music at this point. Yeah. Um, Site visits. My third tip is site visits. So... If your audiovisual team is not in-house at the venue, then take them with you on a site visit to the venue so that there's no surprises for them. They can ask of the venue all the questions that they need to ask. Yeah, 100%. And that goes back to visiting 
as close to the time as your event is as possible, I think is really helpful. Yeah. Because then you're going to realise how dark it is at 7pm or <laughs> really whether good. you need the stage lighting. Great tip. Um, test everything well before guests are due. We've gone over that about 50,000 times because it's so important. And ensure that you have the same programs and hardware as your audio-visual team. Classic example is at Known Associates, we use Macs. We're very Apple-oriented. Mm-hmm. Fruity. I've said it before. <laughs> um, and most AV people are not. Correct. <laughs> so if you have something that's in Keynote and you're trying to play it on a PC, it just doesn't work. They don't speak to each other. They don't play nicely. Mm-hmm. So you've either got to go to a PDF, you've got to go to some sort of format, or tell the tech company that you're using Apple and that you want Macs on site. This is not new to them. Probably their standard equipment is not going to be Apple. I'm not really sure why it's like that in the industry because Apple, I find Apple products are very, very good for creativity. It's the cost, I would say. Yeah. Associated with them. Yeah, you could be right. So they're probably not going to begin with Apple, so just ask for it. It comes down to communication again. Like they've got the tech if you warn them that you need it on site. Yeah. If you don't, Mm, windings on on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're my, my top tips for working with the team. Mm. So that links into some of the other ones I had, which is ensure you get the screen content to them before the event so they can test it. And that is when it's going to be really obvious, even if you forgot to tell them you're working on a Mac. If you've sent a keynote over, they're going to be like, it doesn't open at all yeah. on our computers. You don't know what this is. Yeah, or, and fonts. But I've learned from that experience that if possible, it's just always better to save the screen content as an image and pop PDF. it into PDF. Yep. Onto the onto a PowerPoint is just always going to be your best option. But image or PDF is the best option. And don't forget to ask about the small but impactful elements. And this is going to come back to when you do this column on your run sheet for the AVQs. Things like music stings, they need to queue up beforehand. So if you want them, you need to tell them. And background music. I used to think that was something they could just whip up, but sometimes it's not. No, you'll get whoever the check on Judy's favourite playlist is. Yeah. And that could be... Metallica. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, that's exactly right. Or it could... I mean, it could be jazz and people sometimes hate jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Stings is also a really good one because mm. a lot of people forget musical oh, Stings. And then the room's huge and it's so awkward. Yeah. When you just hear the clip-clop, clip-clop yeah. of somebody's shoes walking up in dead silence to the stage, it's awful. Particularly if they can't get to the stairs, they've got to go back and around the back. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's nasty. And then they've got their lapel mic already on and you're hearing them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, puffing. <laughs> But the biggest thing I would say, and we've said this before, is trust your gut when you're trying to find the right AV team. If it doesn't feel right, they don't fill you with confidence, they aren't happy to walk you through the quote or explain the items on it, they're probably not the right team for you. Yeah. Because it's, I know we say this, it's one of the most important parts of an event. And if you don't feel comfortable with the people you're working with, then it's, they're probably not the right team. That's right. And don't be afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. This is your event. There's a lot of money invested into events. And so now is not the time when you're feeling uncertain to just let things slide. 100%. And that leads me on to my next question, which is if you are in a venue with an AV team that is assigned to that in-house venue, what are your thoughts on bringing in another company? Um, look, it can be advantageous because you know them and you trust them. 
like I said before, I love working with the team that we regularly work with. We've built that relationship. There's a lot of trust and I know that they're always going to bring quality and they've gone through my run sheets and my mood boards and the whole vision for the event in depth, either separately or with me. Um, But there are times, I mean, it's definitely not always cheaper to bring in your own team. And there are times when the venue simply doesn't allow it. Mm -hmm. So in the case of that horror story you talked about at the top of the show, the venue always worked with their AV company and we didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. We did not have a choice. And if we had, we would have taken it. Yes, for sure. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's really good to always think about it's it's not necessarily going to be cheaper. So you may need to factor Mm -hmm. that into your budget. It's worth asking though, because on occasion I've had companies that were really keen to do the event and therefore have offered to cover the cost of the tech on duty or the cost that you're required to pay to the venue in-house company to oversee everything Mm. because they need to have someone on site if your company is coming in and using the built-in equipment. Yeah, but that's not always possible. Sometimes the venue that's in-house will not let you use their equipment that's built in absolutely so there's an extra expense because you have to bring in your own screens or your own speakers so that is wonderful when they do that but it's sometimes unavoidable that the cost is going to go up yep all righty what an episode that was a big one (laughs) we always knew it was going to be i know i think the last time we talked about about audio visual we had to do it into Mm -hmm. we did it in two eps because it was just so meaty um what are our top takeaways from today's ep Well, definitely, in case you didn't pick up the whole way through, test, 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 test before (laughs) guests arrive. That is our biggest tip for sure. Yep. And trust your gut when you're assigning an AV team. You really want to make sure you've got confidence in working with them. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Mine are be clear on what you need, clear communication. Absolutely. Share your complete vision with your AV team. So don't just give them the run sheet that's got this is happening at this time. Send them the mood board so they know exactly how this event is supposed to look and feel and evoke emotion for the guests that are walking into the space. Check if the venue has in-house equipment and if it's suitable. So going back to that horror story again, they had reasonable equipment but some of it didn't work that well Mm -mm. so and it was a hardware issue for sure to some of it yeah so you're well within your rights to go to a venue and say next time you've got an event on that's our style or is happening in a similar way to the event that we're doing can I just come and have a look at the setup and how it all runs nothing wrong with that um consider access times for bump in and out of the venue how long does your event take to set up when it comes to audiovisual? You've got to factor that into your run sheet. Definitely. And it's often longer than you think. It is. It is, especially if you're hanging things from the ceilings, mm-hmm. rigging, getting cherry pickers in and out of an event space. It all takes time and it all takes space. So if you've got tables being set, you can't get, or it's very difficult to get equipment in to go up to the ceiling and rig things so you've got to think okay in what order are these things going to happen and plan out okay so we've got the lighting going in at whatever time it is 12 12 p.m and then four hours later we're going to come in and set the tables because that rigging is actually going to take four hours yeah and for safety they often won't allow you to do them at the same time correct 
um, site visits with audiovisual, particularly for high-tech or outdoor events, absolutely essential. Know where AV can access power on the day. This is mainly for outdoor events. Do you need to bring in a generator? Is there power on site? And where can you get it? Is it free? Even indoor events, sometimes the standard 10-phase 3 power isn't enough. Mm. I know I just said all those technical numbers, but... (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it three phase? (laughs) Three phase, 10 amp is what I was thinking. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) And my final tip is don't scrimp on AV. Mm -hmm. It will show. So if you've got the budget, put it into the lighting, put it into fantastic audio. You could have the best singer in the world and if she hasn't got a good microphone or good speakers, it's not going to work. So So um, spend the coin. It's worth it. Absolutely. Well, that wraps up a huge ep. Sure does. But I I feel like it's gold. I feel like we're giving out gold. It's so important. I know. We can't say that anymore. So we're just going to sign off. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And if you're loving the show, please make sure that you are subscribing. Leave us a review. We'd love to. We haven't had reviews in a little while. So it's been a hot minute. So leave us five stars or four stars or three stars, whatever you think of the show. (laughs) Yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. You can also catch us at Behind the Clipboard Podcast Or, of course, at Known Associates Events on Instagram. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast. Waiting for Melissa to come. She's in the toilet. I'm ready to record. Just gonna sing a little, cause it's Friday, and I love Friday, Melissa, hurry up, I'm ready. I love the lids. It's weird, it's weird when you do that. No. And I like the taste of the plastic. Mm. Ruins the coffee. What? That's <laughs> how I feel about plastic and wine. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Or thick stemmed wine glasses. <laughs> yeah. But th- it's more, it's not even, yeah, I guess it probably is a little the stem, but the thick stem yeah. usually means the thick rim. Yeah. No one likes a thick rim. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta be dainty, like you could bite it and it'll shatter in your mouth. Yep. I feel like a wine now. I know I'm still in the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And for the record, it is 11:04 (laughs) a.m. That's actually pretty good. (laughs) That's later than I thought.